Oh, listen, dear one, I am thrilled to announce I have a brand new private coaching container opening up called Full Immersion Coaching. This is you and me working together privately as I become your mentor and soul guide for an entire year, providing you with the full support you need to grow a massively successful and prosperous heart-led business. To get all the details, DM me on Facebook or Instagram or send an email to allison at allisonscammell.com and say, tell me more about Full Immersion Coaching. I look forward to hearing from you. Hey, ho, dear ones. What is happening today? I hope you're fantastic. I know that there is a lot of fear in the collective right now about money and financial uncertainty. And I think that there is a fifth dimensional aspect to this of ascending to something higher, ascending above that fear. So you are not having to manifest it into your experience or not having to manifest it anymore if it's something you have struggled with. But I also think it's important to talk about third dimensional aspects of money. Like what, how do we get better with our money, with investments, with what you do with it, what you do with it when you want to save, when you want to save responsibly. And so I have a really amazing guest today that will explore this, George Krumbacher. I was on his podcast a few months ago, and we'll link, leave a link in the show notes to that episode. And I really enjoyed connecting with George. He is from the upper Midwest, like I am. I'm originally from South Dakota, and he has family from South Dakota. So he and I just have a special connection of farm kind of, I'm a farm kid, and he has farm kid roots as well. So I really enjoyed learning from George, and I know you are going to find this episode extremely useful. So let's get to it. In today's episode, George reveals why money feels so hard, how money is changing, and how to tap into the new currency of money. We end on an invitation that will have you changing your entire relationship to money to one that serves you over the long term. So please, my dear ones, stay with us until the end. Welcome to Soul Guide Radio, a podcast for soul-guided leaders, influencers, and entrepreneurs here to bring about change on a massive level. We'll explore how you can activate your big soul mission, amplify your spiritual gifts, and clear the energy blocks weighing you down so you can gain unstoppable momentum in life and business. I'm Allison Scammell, your host and soul guide. Hey there, Soul Guide Circle. That is the name of this community of soul-guided leaders, influencers, and entrepreneurs. In the Soul Guide Circle, we have big soul missions, and we yearn to earn more, serve more, and grow spiritually along the way. If you aren't already a member, then I invite you to join our Facebook group of nearly and over 2,100 leaders and lightworkers who are in service to each other and the planet. You may find a link to join on my website, allisonscammell.com, or in the show notes. Today's guest is George Grombacher, and we're talking about money. 
George has worked in personal finance for 20 years and was named as a top 100 advisor in the United States for the past three years. He's working hard to encourage, empower, and entertain others so they can get better and live how they want. He is the president of Financial Consulting Professionals, the founder and chief community officer of Money Alignment Academy, and the host of the Lifeblood podcast. I love George's energy and his take on money. May you receive as much from his wisdom as I did. Please enjoy. Welcome to Soul Guide Radio, George. I am super excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Okay, so I have the most, I'm just going to go ahead and start with the most important question of this episode, and that's what's your favorite beer? My favorite beer, I love, I love all beers, first and <laughs> foremost. I, I, I fell in love with Coors Light when I was in my 20s. It's a very, very American thing to do right there. And today, I, I love craft beer. So I'm I'm pretty typical there and but long story short my favorite beer is sort of in the middle there it's the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. I love nice. that I, lo- I love that beer. I asked because I lived for many years in Belgium and when I lived there I grew I myself also grew to love beer not Coors Light. So living in Belgium <laughs> makes you very kind of snobby when it comes to beer. So when I go home, that's what my, you know, my dad gives me. But so when you started with Coors Light, I was like, oh, oh, better. But you went up fast. So that's good. (laughs) I'm going to bring it harder than that for sure. (laughs) Okay. So we're actually not here to talk about beer, although I think it is a nice little fascinating conversation. We are here to talk about money, which I think is so timely to have not to have conversations about money, but to have the right conversations about money. And I think that's what makes this so timely. So tell us, when did you get started with Money Talk? My first job out of college. First job out of college, I, I went to work in financial services, actually selling life insurance. And I was 22 years old. And that that is how I started. Today, I am, I'm turning 45 here in a couple of weeks. So it's been, it's kind of crazy to think about it that way. It's been almost 22 years since I've been doing it professionally. So a long time now, Allison. Cool. Well, early happy birthday. Thank you. (laughs) So tell us like, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, the people who listen to this podcast are spiritual folks, soul guided leaders. And I think most of them would say, yeah, I want to pay my rent and stuff, but I don't really care about money. I'm not really driven by money. And I think that would be true. I mean, I think that's for that's definitely true for me. Yet at the same time, money will still has a way to get a grip on us. And we set our goals around money, I think, in ways that don't feel good to a lot of people. And we feel bad about ourselves when we don't hit those income goals, especially if we're in business. And And it's a really hard story to rewrite. And, you know, I'm trying to rewrite it for myself constantly and not label myself a failure if I don't hit my money goals, et cetera. So why is it that, you know, if you can go a little bit deeper in this question, 
than maybe you would in other podcasts because this this audience likes to go deep. Like, why do we do this? Like, why is this so hard? Even when we say on the outside, oh, you know, I'm not driven by money. I don't care about money, but yet it still has this hold on us. Why do you think this is? Yeah, money is a really, really, really powerful force. It's this weapon of mass destruction. If, and I, I don't really think that it has any value. It doesn't have intrinsic value. I don't like money. Money's not good, nor is it bad, but it, 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 it has the ability to really destroy things because it touches every aspect of life. Money destroys relationships and marriages and business partnerships and destroys companies and societies. And it also does amazing, wonderful things like gives us options and allows us to take wonderful trips with our families and have peace of mind and, and not worry about it. So I think that in order to be successful with money, we need to define what that really means and think about the things that we really want and put money and look at money for what it is, which is a tool for helping us to get the things that we want. And whenever we get that sort of twisted and we're pursuing money because we think that the pursuit of money is going to get us happiness and it's going to give my soul the things that it feels or it that it wants, well, it's never going to do that. And we as human beings love to have to figure things out for ourselves. But we all know intellectually, money doesn't buy happiness. It doesn't buy love. It's not going to, all the fame and notoriety in the world is not going to make me a happy person. If I am a happy person and I can interact with money, then it can accentuate and give me wonderful, wonderful things. So the reason for why that is just, well, I think that the majority of us were probably brought up in situations where our parents weren't wealthy. Probably money was a little bit tight. And today, in the United States at least, two-thirds of us are living paycheck to paycheck, which means we're essentially broke. Got $6,000 of credit card debt that we're paying 20%, probably a lot higher interest on as interest rates tick up. And it's way more of a weapon of bad than it is a tool for good. So that's the ball of twine that we need to unwind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I grew up, so you grew up in the upper Midwest in the United States, and so did I, on a family farm. And back in the 80s, when all family farms were going bankrupt, it was a really sad thing, you know, when I think about this, because it was the conversation at the dinner table all the time was always about money, although my parents tried so hard to shield us from it. You know, they, they really tried, but I think it's hard to, to, you know, your kids are, kids know what's going on. And what makes me so sad is that they didn't want to file bankruptcy, which would have been the absolute best option from a financial perspective. And they absolutely didn't want to file bankruptcy because you know why? Guesses. The shame around it, stigma. And it was printed in the newspaper. Whoever fired, filed chapter 11, chapter 11 bankruptcy was printed in the newspaper like, why would they do that? Why would this stuff get printed in the newspaper? I don't know if that's still a practice, but it was where I lived back in the 80s. And they didn't, and they they were going to kill themselves to prevent the shame of, 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 you know, the community knowing that this happened, even though it was happening to so many at the time. 
So yeah, I just, I, I don't know what the question is there, but I just wanted to share that. It was re- really sad, you know? I, I appreciate you sharing that. And shame can be a really powerful motivator. I, what, what flashed into my mind is what else do they print in the newspaper? And a lot of the time they print DUIs or DWIs in the newspaper. And that's to, to certainly shame people and shaming people because of financial mistakes that, you know, probably out of control, out of my control. It's maybe who knows, who knows what the reasons are, but we all carry around shame about money. <laughs> and we've all made mistakes about money at some point. I, I'm super fond of telling people that I've made a lot of great financial decisions over the course of my life, but I made all the bad ones. It's just a very, very human thing to do because even if they taught me about money in school, I probably still wouldn't have paid attention because I wasn't paying attention to history class in school and all the other junk that they were teaching me in school. But I do not naturally, in fact, my brain does the opposite of what I should be doing with money a lot of the time. I know that I'm supposed to buy low and sell high, but I want to buy when things are high and I want to sell when things are low. And when I lack the the tools, like how do I budget? How, how do I really manage my cash flow? How, how do I invest? How much should I be investing? What, what, what kind of accounts? How do I track taxes? Oh my gosh, insurance. It is a lot. And so to think that I'm going to be awesome at this and when I'm not awesome at that, that I shouldn't be, you know, that, 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 that I'm ashamed because of it. That's just that vicious cycle then. And, 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 and it keeps people stuck. Then I don't raise my hand and say, Hey, I, I, I need some help here. Where can I find it? So I've certainly been there. Lots of people have been there. And that's a terrible story about your folks. Yeah. Well, you know, they bounced back, which is the other thing about money. <laughs> You can always yeah. bounce back. You know, they bounced back and, you know, the price of farmland went up, has gone up so much. And they've, you know, ended up building a lot of wealth for themselves. My memories of childhood was was that about shame around money. And so I, on a subconscious level, made the de- decision, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to worry about money. I'm not going to... I'm just not going to stress out about money. And, you know, you know, it's like that thing. You, you, if, if your parents are struggling with something, you either take it on or reject it often. Mm-hmm. Addictions or whatever. And I rejected any, any of it. And so I noticed a few times in my life where I was absolutely down to nothing. Especially one time. I, long story. But the the point is, I got to a point where I had all credit cards maxed out. I had nothing left in the bank, and I would never ask my parents or any. I, I just wouldn't ask my parents or loved ones for money. I just wouldn't. I'm a farm girl from the Upper Midwest. You just don't do that. And something miraculous happened. And the very next day, when I was literally just on my last cent, the very next day, I was offered a lucrative job opportunity that got me out of debt and then and quite a lot then some within 12 months. And I think this is like this is like this is it. I I believe this is like the real currency of money. When you really trust that no matter what choices you make that that when you trust, when you have this trust that you are always going to be held and supported th- that there's a divine power here to help us. When you have that trust, this divine help will always arrive at the right time. So I'm just wondering like what 
Do you have a similar perspective on this and what, what your reaction is to that? Yeah, well, I, I think it 100% can be true. I think that it's very, very natural to, to, to go against the grain of, 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 of the way that we were raised, if it's with our parents or whatever. There's so many different systems and expectations on all of us. And some of us just like, that looks awesome. I'm just going to jump right in the current or people like you and me, we're going to swim against that current and with money say, you know what? I'm, I'm just, I'm not interested in feeling that way about money. So I'm not going to feel that way about money. And it probably caused you to think differently about money and then act differently about money. So it's hundred percent possible, but it's not easy to do that. What we just said I'll start thinking about it differently and then it's going to show up when I need it. Well, it's not just, it's not that easy. There's, there's a lot of work I think that needs to be done, which I'm, I'm sure that you did. And that's, I need to really establish and think about how I want to think and feel about money. So take the time to do that. How do I want to feel about the situations about making money, about saving money, about earning money, about investing all these things and whatever's standing in my way whatever blocks I have in beliefs, because I can want that. But if I don't really believe in my soul, deep down inside, that that's possible, or if I think that money is the root of all evil, or people that have it are, are garbage, or, or that people don't like them, that's going to prevent me from doing it and actually being successful with money. I need to identify people who are out there that are doing the things that I want to do with it so that my brain can see, oh, look, there's another human being that's similar to me. So it is possible. I think that there's just a couple of extra steps that if we do follow and commit to it and pay attention to how we're paying attention to money, that that will absolutely position us to do exactly what you were just saying. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And I think that, you know, if, if, if you... You know, I, I was listening to Karen Curry Parker talk. She's a human design person and she was talking about money and money wounds. And she was talking about how if you, if you grow up in generational poverty, it's very hard to have healthy ideas about money and to get healthy energy about money, you know, because you are surrounded by people who've went their whole life for generations without income. So that's, I, I totally agree with that. So how do we get there? And, and I, I do believe I'm the example of I saw what I didn't want to experience from my parents, bless them, as they struggled. And I just said, no, nope, I ain't going to do that. And, you know, I, I did have the opportunity. You know, I, 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 was, I was raised in a, in a middle class situation where I, I, I could see and I could also at the same time develop a healthy relationship with money. Like I had that, that option as well. So I, I had choices before me, which some people don't really have the same choices the way I had. So how do we start, whether, whether a listener is, grew up in a destitute situation or they grew up with a lot of money and, and are now not having a good relationship with money, you know, it goes both ways, right? How can we start getting healthier wherever we are, whatever our bank accounts look like with money? Yeah. And it definitely does cut both ways. I mean, how do I get good at money? Well, have rich parents. Well, no, not necessarily, you know generational wealth often fails to transfer from one generation to the next. Winning the lottery is not going to do it. Being a professional athlete is not going to do it. Just after five years, the majority of both the folks in those camps are bankrupt and have lost all the money. I, I appreciate that it does definitely does cut both ways. 
I think first and foremost, I think it's it's better, it's valuable to run away from something, but more valuable to run towards something in this example. So really taking the time to think about how do I want to feel about money? How do I want to feel about it? Like that's dumb. Well, no, it's not, because you've probably never done it. Get a pen and paper and write about how you want to feel about money. How do you want to think about it? How do you want to interact with it? And just be honest with yourself. If you want to be rich, that's awesome. Let's figure out how to get rich. If you just want to stop worrying about it, I'm stressing about it. I want to stop stressing about money. I just want to to not have to worry about it. Great. That's awesome. Write it down and get clear. And then let's figure out what we're doing that is standing in our way. Because probably there's behaviors that we're engaging in. There's thinking that we have that is keeping us stuck. Are you budgeting? Are you managing and looking at your cash flow, your transactions on a monthly basis? Well, maybe, maybe not. You know, have I actually set some financial goals? I want to be able to have 10 grand in the bank for an emergency. I want to be able to buy a house one day. I want to be able to retire. Okay, well, let's let's make plans for that. And then really it is figuring out what new knowledge do I need? Well, I need to learn about an IRA. Need to learn about mutual funds. I need to learn about whatever it might be. Figure out what steps I need to take, and then put the plan into action. And then find the support that 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 you need. Maybe you want to do all of it. That's awesome. Maybe wow, I've discovered personal finance and it's super exciting. I want to dig into this. Maybe you say this this sucks. I, I hate it. So I need to find somebody or some system that will help me to follow through on this if I'm not interested in looking at it or touching it, which is also totally fine. But you need to support yourself and position yourself for success. Yeah, I like that. I, and I don't think the listeners of this podcast would find that to be a stupid question at all. I mean, we're we're all into these types of questions. So I just asked this question of myself, honestly, recently, because I noticed things shifting in my life. And, you know, the expression, new level, new devil, I feel like I've, I've up-leveled in many ways in life and business. And so there's, so, so every time you do that, I think it's a good time to ask the question again. I don't think that question is a one and done, right? So I asked the question again, a variation of that question, and I got this answer, I wrote it on a sticky note, and it says, my new currency is well-being. My new currency is well-being. And so what that means is anything I bring into my experience, I would like it to augment my well-being. So instead of my in my business thinking about, oh, well, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z to get you know, 10 new signups to my program and call in so many one-on-one clients so I can hit this monthly income target... I'm going to think about what can I do in my business that's going to contribute to my well-being, make me create at my best, give me energy deposits, set up a business structure that allows me to rest and have ample time with family and a holistic approach so my business doesn't encroach, right? And it, it ha- it's one piece of my life, but it's not my life. And as part of that, income is going to come in to support my well-being, but it's not about the income, it's about that, what it gets me. And it gets me happiness and rest and vacations and massages if my neck, my neck is stiff. <laughs> so it is a shift in perspective. And I feel it pretty strongly. Like 
And it feels damn good for me. It feels very motivating and it feels very aligned. And I think that's a shift that many of us are experiencing to money. It, it, it doesn't really define money that differently. It's just a different way to tune into it. It's a different perspective on it. So I was just wondering if you were experiencing something similar or if, or if you had any thoughts and reflections on this. My new currency is well-being. I love it. I think it's awesome. I think that how you look at something makes all the difference. Literally all the difference. I think that our perspective, our ability to pull back from a situation, it's a, it's a photography term, right? To pull back and to be able to see the whole thing is a superpower. And our ability to change that, to say, okay, how do I want to think about money? Well, I choose to think about it as my new currency is well-being, whatever it is that you decide. And that's, that's an incredible thing. You've been thinking about money one way your entire life, and society's been thinking about money one way for a long time, and now things are changing. So we have the ability to make these decisions. And I think that we see it everywhere right now. You know, COVID has called into question the way that we police our communities, the way that we educate our children, the way that we work, the places that we work, and the way that we interact with one another. And I think that we are craving this decentralization of things. I'm sick of having to wonder and really work hard to figure out what's true. Because how, how, how do I know if one channel says this thing, the other channel says that thing, how do I know what's true? It's, if I could just get the truth on this, with our money, you have new types of currency, which are coming along, which are decentralized currency. So it's, it's the same thing. We're sick of having somebody or something or whatever that is standing in the middle of between me and what I want. <laughs> and so reframing and rethinking, okay, what are these systems and assumptions that we're talking about a little bit earlier? What do I think about that? And I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Some of the stuff I'm going to keep, but maybe I can build my life change my thinking and my feeling in a way that's going to serve me and it's going to help me get to where I want to go and be a happy and more contented person. So I think that that's immensely valuable. Yeah, I love that perspective. So what are your, some of your top tips for folks to get better with their money? You know, I think that a lot of the listeners of this podcast do have businesses, not all of them, but a lot of them do. And many of us are experiencing shifts in the market especially in the service-based industry, you know, interest rates are raising, as you said. And so a lot of people are, you know, shifting what they want to put, you know, prioritize their money. Things in the online space are shifting. So it creates uncertainty for the future. You know, what used to work isn't working now, what's going to work. So if there are listeners out there that are feeling uncertain and anxious or having anxiety, like what will what will 2023 bring? What are some of your top tips to get us feeling good about money, even when we're feeling anxious, <laughs> even in those times we're feeling anxious or, 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 or maybe it's top tips to help us shift out of that anxiety and into something better? Yeah, I appreciate that. It's funny. I'm mildly embarrassed, but not really, I guess. 
I didn't know what first principle thinking was for a really long time. And I came upon it. I'm like, oh, that's that's really cool. First principles are just what is fundamentally true. So great example is when Elon Musk decides he's going to go and disrupt an industry or create a new one, instead of just going with the common orthodoxy or what's been done, he says, let me break this down to first principles and maybe redesign it. So he was able to actually make electric cars and create new batteries, not by looking at existing rocket or battery technology, but by figuring out, okay, what's the best way to build this? And da, 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 da. So I think that there are a handful of financial first principles that are true no matter what in whatever market. And I have, you know, I can't tell you what the stock market's going to do. It's either going to go up, it's going to go down. I can't tell you what interest rates are going to do, anything like that. I'm not that smart. But there are three things that I think are really, really important that if we can get our arms around and put it put into practice and put to work for us, whatever stage of life that we are in, then we will be positioned for better success. So there are a handful of first principles, financial first principles that that anybody can really benefit from. And if you're a parent and you really wanted to help your kids be financially successful, I think that these three things, if you could help them, put them to work in their life, would really position them for success. Or if you're 50 years old, it doesn't really matter what age you are. These things are true. The more we can do them, the better. And I empathize with entrepreneurs. If we are building businesses online or offline or wherever, it is even more challenging with money because sometimes our income is a little erratic and it's not quite as consistent. But if we put these things to work, I think it'll be of immense value. So three things. Number one is the golden rule of personal finance. So it's been true for a really, really long time. And that's pay yourself first. And you've probably heard that before, but maybe we don't actually understand what it means. Fundamentally, the opposite is you pay everybody else first and then wait around to the end of the month to pay yourself or the end of the year to pay yourself. And what you discover when you do that is that there's no money left over for you. This is a thing called Parkinson's Law. It says that work expands or contracts to fill the amount of time available for its completion. Well, I think the same is true of expenses. Our expenses will continue to expand and consume all of our money until all the money is gone. And that's what happens when we live paycheck to paycheck as we're in this cycle where you end up with more month than money and you're stressing and you're scrambling around at the end of the month trying to pay your bills. So when we pay ourselves first, we put money towards one of our financial goals at the beginning of every month before we pay anybody else. So we accomplish this either by setting up an automatic contribution to a savings account from a checking account. We can do that with a brokerage account from my checking account to a brokerage account. I can do that with an IRA or a 401k. So that is how we pay ourselves first. And even if it's 1% of your income, just getting in the habit of doing that will start to position you for financial success. And I get pushed back from entrepreneurs who say, well, I need to pour everything back into my business. I, 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 I totally get that. And we do need to invest and reinvest and consistently invest in our business and put it all back in. And we need to take something off the table for ourselves also. So think about it from a parent standpoint. If you taught your 15-year-old and you get your first job, if you put 10% of your income away, you would really be set up for long-term financial success. So that's the first one is just get in the habit, put in place a way that you are paying yourself first on a monthly basis. Second I, one is stay out of debt. I like that. And and I like the second one too. Just to comment on the first one, you know, as my business has grown and and kind of it kind of took off. I had a, a moment where it sort of took off and 
And I noticed that managing the money in and out of my business got more complicated. And I'm not like a bookkeeper by any stretch of the imagination. But I really decided until it my business gets too big where it's just doesn't make sense for me to keep the books anymore. I'm going to do it myself. And I'm going to take that time once a month. I reconcile everything because I want to see and I want to feel with my own fingertips what's going in and what's going out. And that's been a really good practice of mine. And then I always make sure, as you say, I do make sure to pay myself first, even if it's a very small amount of money. And I just put it into my my business savings account, which is sort of my no touch zone. And I do find that to be a really, really powerful practice, just seeing it for yourself. And I actually think my perspective, unless unless you're someone who needs to just like get it out of your account so you don't spend it, if you're not that person, I, I think it's very powerful to actually transfer the money yourself so you can feel, you can feel yourself getting paid. And it's, it's something I've, I've always done. And I, you know, I, I give myself because I don't have a boss, right? I'm my own boss. So I give myself a payday and it feels good when I do it. So little, just adding a little perspective on how I, how I approach your very good advice. No, it's awesome. I appreciate that very much. So it's, it's, it's a real thing. You know, even if it's a little bit, we are developing a new muscle. We're, we're showing ourselves I'm capable of saving and investing money. And that's yes. nothing but a positive thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it's creating good habits. So stay out of debt, stay out of debt. That crushes us. It is just a massive burden. It is just real shift. It's awful. So if you're currently in credit card debt, and this is me in, 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 in my 20s, 100%, we need to put a plan together and figure out what I need to be doing to get myself out of credit card debt. And I'm not somebody who says all debt is bad. Certainly have a home mortgage, take out a car loan, stuff like that. If you don't do a business loan, great. But we need to figure out how to avoid consumer revolving debt because that just really, really crushes us. And again, back to the kids thing, you teach your kid that so they never get into debt. That's nothing but a really, really positive thing. And all the stuff about student loans that we're going through in the United States right now, just shows you that we are positioning ourselves for financial failure when we graduate as a 22-year-old with 50 or 100000 or $200,000 of debt that is not positioning ourselves for success. So there's one and two. Yes. Awesome. That's, that's not that's not rocket science. No, but can I just also, I want to yeah. reflect on number two. I live in Europe and have for the last 12 years now. And typically speaking, and not all European countries are the same, but if I if I kind of could generalize a little bit, I would say typically speaking, they don't, personal debt isn't really a thing here. There is no, like credit card debt is not really a thing. I don't know, like we could have a two hour debate as to why that is. You know, typically if you're going to buy something here, that's not a, not a house. And, you know, oftentimes, you know, in Holland anyway, university education is free. So most kids don't have to take out student loans for education. But it's just if you don't have it in the bank account, you don't buy it. It's just it's like it's just like it's in the people just know that to be true here. Think that it just as someone who now like really lives and breathes that after being in it so long, I can just see how healthy how healthy it actually creates a society. You know, people are buying things only when they have the money to buy it. And people are very cautious when they buy things. Like, oh, that my, my money in my bank account is precious, right? So I, I'm not going to just buy something on a whim. I'm going to make sure that I 
prioritize the things that I want to bring into my household or bring into my life because I'm not going to just run up a credit card debt. So I really, as someone who's seen what it can look like when there is basically is no credit card debt, it is a beautiful thing. No doubt about it. Well, I'm glad to hear that credit card debt is uniquely American. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't know about awesome. that, but it doesn't, I don't, you don't see it here. So yeah. And that's that. those are more first principles. If you can't pay cash for it, you can't afford it. And I was alive before credit cards were ubiquitous here in the United States. And when I ran out of money, it meant I stopped buying things. And credit now just allows us to keep spending. And that's that's not a good thing at all. So just adopting the mindset that you've just laid out. Money is precious. And I need to be judicious and a good steward and prioritize. These are These are really, really, really positive things that are very wise. The third thing quickly is just is is just is just to diversify. Also here in the United States, we've got these amazing new companies like Robinhood that are making online trading really, really exciting. And the unfortunate reality is that the vast, vast majority of people who are engaging in trading on these kinds of accounts are losing money. That's an unfortunate education that professional traders would refer to as your tuition. So you want to invest in individual stocks? you will lose money. Doesn't mean you're always going to lose money, but you will lose money. If you are interested in becoming a professional trader and beating Wall Street, it's possible to do it. Just like it's possible to play in NFL football. It's not possible for me to play in the NFL, but there are a thousand people who do it. It's possible for you to beat the stock market, but you need to become a professional. You need to take the time and learn how to do it, have processes and be disciplined. If you're not interested in doing that or not willing to do that, like me, well, then we need to take a more diversified approach to our investing. The core of my portfolio needs to be well-diversified, low-cost is better than high-cost investments. Again, we'll just I'll, I'll focus here on the United States, the S&P 500 a mutual fund, an exchange-traded fund. It gives me the opportunity to buy a share of the S&P 500 and I own a small piece of the 500 biggest companies in the stock market versus putting all my money in one stock. So I'm not opposed to buying individual stocks. I'm not opposed to buying cryptocurrencies. I'm, I, I do all of these things, but the bulk, the majority of my invested assets are in low-cost, well-diversified investments. Nice. I like that. And I think that also holds true of our business as we go into a time of potential, and I don't know, but some people say we're going into a time of potential financial uncertainty in the markets and maybe some instability, et cetera. I think it's an important thing also to do in your business. Think of different ways to diversify, have several streams of revenue coming coming in. Don't put all your eggs in the basket of one offering. That's something that I used to do in my business. I, I, I was the kind of person I'd like to have like two, maybe three offerings and do two, maybe three launches a year. And then that was it. And I definitely noticed for me and for a lot of my peers, that's not really working anymore. It's just not, it's, you know, things are shifting. So it's not working for us. And it doesn't mean that couldn't work for you. So I really realized that I had to take this on where I really had to diversify my business and think about different partnerships and affiliates, things that I hadn't really considered before. And to be honest, when I really got into it, it's starting to feel really good. And it feels much better than I'm putting all of the eggs in the basket of two to three offerings. And that's, that puts a lot of pressure on the business. 
So I would just, I, I love the advice and really expand it to business owners out there to think about how you could diversify income coming into your business. And there's just so many different opportunities out there and just being open to expanding that, expanding that a little bit. Yeah, I think that that's well said. I think that that's or we're positioned for success by having things spread out a little bit. That gives us the opportunity. I talk about, right, give yourself a permission slip to let it rip on a more concentrated opportunity. But if you just put everything on black or red, to use a roulette analogy, if it doesn't come up your way, well, then you are bankrupt in your versus if you've got a lot of resources, and you, then you can take more more aggressive bets. Yeah, exactly. All right, George. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed chatting with you about this. I learned so much from your perspective and really thank you for taking the time to share your wisdom with us. I would love to invite you to leave our listeners with an invitation, inviting them anywhere you wish them to go. I invite people to tap into their superpowers. First one is to figure out how you want to feel. And this goes for every aspect of, of, of life. Whenever you find yourself thinking about things you don't want, catch yourself and reframe it. What is it that I do want? If we fill ourselves up with negativity, we're going to get more of it. I'm confident your listeners know that. So whenever you find yourself thinking about things you don't want, shift it. Think about what it is you do want. And the second thing is, We as human beings have the ability to visualize the future we want for ourselves and then to put, to make plans and work towards doing it. And that's, that's, that's goal setting. It took me until I was 35 years old to actually go through a proper goal setting process. And I can now look back and say, wow, that made a huge difference. So think about how you want to feel, think about the future you want and put pen to paper and get to work. Nice. I like that. And George, I know that there's going to be people in my audience who are going to want to connect deeper with you, get into your world. And I understand you have a book coming out. So can you tell people how they can get in touch with you and get their hands on a copy of your new book? Yeah, for sure. And thank you so much for having me. I spent a good amount of time writing and I finally committed to writing a book. And so my first book is be your own CFO, business-like approach to your personal finances. So it takes a lot of the best practices that we've been talking about today and what it takes to run a successful business and how do I apply that to my personal life. So you can find that on Amazon. And then if people are interested in, in finding more about me, go to my website, which is moneyalignmentacademy.com. I've got lots of different ways to get better at money so you can live how you want. Beautiful. And all of those links will be in the show notes. And we're also going to link in the show notes when I was just a few weeks ago, a guest on your amazing podcast. So you can check out my episode on George's podcast and check out George's amazing podcast at the same time. Win-win. Beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you again so much for sharing your wisdom with us on Soul Guide Radio. Thank you so much, dear listener, for tuning in, for always tuning in. I really appreciate you so much from my heart. I am grateful for you. And I always feel connected to you every time I get behind the mic to record another episode on Soul Guide Radio. And as always, 
Until next time, may your soul guide the way. Are you ready to fill your business with soul clients in the next 60 days? Then download my free energy upgrade meditation to amp up your energy frequency, dissolve the doubt, and attract the soul clients you are destined to serve. Find a link to download on my website, alisonscammell.com, as well as in the show notes.